You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Wonderful. Now we're going to go on to our sort of almost little creed that we've been doing as part of this preaching series. Uh, We're looking at the Gospel of John and the seven statements that Jesus says, I am. And so each week we've been sharing these and we just want you all to read them out at home. So I want no passivity today. (laughs) Come on, let's all throw some energy into it as we do the I am's together. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Thank you. Brilliant. We are going to hand over to Nicola now, who is going to read the Bible reading for today. Hi, I'm Nicola and I'm going to read John chapter 10 verses 11 to 21 and I'm reading from the NIV. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Great. Thank you so much for that reading. I guess we are bombarded with words all the time and the context helps us understand them. If you're reading a book, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, you know, is it some fact that you're trying to learn or is it a story that you're trying to get hold of? Maybe it's a bill that you're sent and you think, oh, God, I've got to pay it. Or it's a research paper and it's suggesting an idea. The Gospel of John was written as an orderly account. It's almost like this this guy has pulled these words together to try and present to a jury, who is Jesus? And we've got these seven statements in this orderly account, which is almost saying, I am. Now, I am was the name for God. And this week, we're looking at this statement that Jesus brings out. I am the good shepherd. In fact, he says it twice. I am the good shepherd. Well, I live in London. So what does that mean to me? I was thinking about this this week, and, and I guess in all truth, I, I instantly thought of neon sheep. Yeah, that's that shop in Ealing Broadway, isn't it, that sells card and stationery. I hope it will still be there when the lockdown's done. I guess if you've lived in West London for a long time, you'd think of Shepherd's Bush. 
Apparently this was where the shepherds used to rest their sheep on the way to market. But for most of us, if we're really honest, this whole picture seems crazy. Well, I guess it seems crazy unless you come from Wales. I, under, I found out this week there are 9 million sheep in Wales and only 3 million people. <laughs> so, so I guess this passage comes alive. Mind you, the Welsh have got to give way to the Kiwis because in New Zealand there's 4 million people and 30 million sheep. Anyway, I've got to be careful not to get distracted and go all around the world on facts. What did this mean when this was first said in the Bible? What did the hearers think? Well, I've got a few words that hopefully will help us. You see, as a community, it was an agricultural society. Jesus often uses farming metaphors. He talks about the farmer that has 100 sheep, loses one, leaves the 99, goes looking for the one. So it would have been something that was in their community. Actually, the people that was Jesus was talking to, it was in their history. I discovered this week that many of us change our careers every five to seven years. Whereas actually in that society, they'd been an agricultural society for, for decades, for hundreds of years. If you went back in the Bible, you think of all those like um, Jacob, who was a shepherd, uh, the brothers of Joseph that were shepherd, Moses and his wife both have this role. So not only was it a cultural thing, it was a historical thing. In fact, the, G the people that Jesus was speaking to when he declared, I am the good shepherd, it was something to do with royalty. Many of us, if we know any of the Bible stories, might know about David and Goliath. Well, David had left the sheep because he was a shepherd. In fact, we read, don't we, about he was the one that protected the sheep from the lion and the, and the bear. And that's why he was going to go and take on this. Some would say that he ended up leaving the herd and taking on the flock of Israel. And he became the great shepherd, the great king. And so there was a sense of royalty. In fact, not only was there a sense of royalty, I would say there was a sense of theology for those that were listening to the words of Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, God was described as a shepherd. Even when Jacob is blessing Joseph, that's in the book of Genesis, that's the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 49, God is described this way. Because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. And so it's almost like it was in their community, it was in their history, it was in their royalty, it was in their theology. It was also in their prophecy. You see, the leaders of Israel were meant to be shepherds, and that's how they described the leaders of Israel. Sadly, they didn't always do a good job. Isaiah, when he speaks as a prophet to those that have been exiled, that have been carried away from their homelands, says this about God. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. There's this picture of God is going to be the shepherd and we've got to look to God. And in fact, I think it's in Ezekiel where God says, oh, the shepherds that you've had, the leaders that you've had are so bad. I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to send you a new shepherd. And you almost think, golly, there's two. Oh, the two in one become true in Jesus Christ. He is God. 
and he is the new shepherd. So Jesus stands up and declares, I am the good shepherd. It would have meant loads to them. I want to challenge us in three ways of how it could impact us. The first one is no. No. To really know. The good shepherd knows the sheep. The sheep know the shepherd. As I said, I've been trying to read about it this week because I don't see any shepherds here in Hanwell, part of Ealing. But I read this week that actually if a, a sheep kept wandering off, literally the shepherd would break its leg and then carry it on his shoulders until the leg healed. And when the leg had healed, the sheep never wandered off again. <laughs> he knew those sheep. He knew what was best for them. He was involved with them. That's an amazing picture. But the sheep also knew him. In those days, the shepherd went ahead. Many would say that still happens in Israel today. And actually, the sheep all followed on after the shepherd. The story goes that there was a, a bus tour and they were in Israel at the time. And someone said, oh, I thought the shepherd led the sheep. Look, that man over there is chasing them from behind. The tour guide got off and, and asked the question <laughs> to only to discover that it wasn't the shepherd, it was the butcher. <laughs> he was taking them off to kill them. The shepherd went ahead. The sheep knew the shepherd. The sheep wanted to follow the shepherd. This picture tells us something of God that he knows us and he wants us to know him. Christianity is not rules, it's relationship. God wants a relationship with you. That's what I pick out of this. It's wonderful, even as we've worshipped this morning, God speaks. What else do I find? One, that we're to know the shepherd. Two, that actually he wants to gather other sheep. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience, but he was reminding them what had always been God's intention. When God had called Abraham, Father Abraham, from the Old Testament, from Genesis, He'd said in Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, the good news that we have in Jesus Christ is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It's meant to be shared. Jesus had modelled this so well throughout his walk on the earth. The Samaritan woman of John 4, the Roman centurion of Matthew 8, the Gentile leper of Luke 17. David Livingstone, the great explorer that went into Africa and was involved in establishing the London Missionary Society. When his body was buried at Westminster Abbey, he actually had John 10, 16 put upon his tombstone. I guess he didn't. I guess if we're really honest, friends and family did. But I guess it had been the verse that challenged him for his whole life. Actually, I want you to go and find others. I want you to share this good news with others. I guess he understood the last words of Jesus, the great commission. Come on, go and share the good news. I found it interesting, even in this lockdown, that The Guardian was saying last week, one in four are looking at a church service online. And if you don't normally go to church and you're watching us this week, welcome. You are really, really welcome here. I know we did the Alpha last Tuesday. We just talked about it. You may think, oh, I'm going to find out a bit more. What is this that they keep going on about? I read this week, they reckon there's 2.4 billion believers on earth today. 
and that by 2050, that could rise to 3 billion. It's amazing those that have been gathered from around the world. We've loved our testimonies this morning. The hellos from people in advance in lots of different countries. You just think, oh, wow, we're all in this together. I'm so delighted that Redeemer Church is part of the Evangelical Alliance group of believers in this country. I'm delighted that we're part of West London leaders working with other churches to make a difference in Ealing. I loved watching that Blessings YouTube clip of the churches together singing. You see, there's something in the Bible that God wants to gather together. So he wants to know, it wants to gather. My final word this morning is sacrifice. Is he again as a, a city dweller? I tend to think of a shepherd as nice and clean with cuddly little sheep. Let's be honest, I've got three kids and you go and watch them at Christmas plays. You know, the shepherd had a tea towel on their head and they wore their dressing gown. You know what I'm saying? It was very comfortable. I guess the nearest I could imagine today would be a Bear grills. You know what I'm saying? Out and rugged and in the wild. In this passage that Nicola read to us, there's a contrast between the good shepherd and other shepherds. And it's almost like the contrast, we don't want to get caught up on it, but it points out how good he is, the sacrifice he is willing to make. And we understand as we've been looking at this passage, we looked at some last week in John 9, John 10, John 10 again this week. There is a contrast. The Pharisees, we know that the religious leaders were meant to be shepherds. They tell off the invalid in John 5 for carrying his mat. They have a go at the woman who's caught in adultery in John 8. They discipline the blind man that's healed in John 9. The danger of this contrast is that Pharisees were not praying for the sheep, but praying on the sheep. The Pharisees were not dying on behalf of the people. They were almost causing the people to die. I guess that's true today, isn't it? There's a difference, if we're really honest, between when I've rented a house and when I own a house. When I own a house, I think, golly, I need to paint it and, when, and repair it. If I rent it, I think it's somebody else's job. Sometimes when I'm out in the car, to be honest, and I see someone just chuck some rubbish out of their car window. They think, oh, someone else is going to clean the street. I doubt if they ever chuck it out their kitchen window if they've got to sweep their own back garden. Are we those that really care like Jesus did? There's this very clear picture of the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. If you look in the next verse, it talks about the Feast of Dedications. This uh, really was when they they recaptured the temple and recommitted it to God. It was about 150, 200 years before Jesus was speaking. And this really was when there'd been bad leadership. And so they, they, they asked to ask hard questions at this time. Are we leading well? And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I will sacrifice for you. Sacrifice. Death. I used to be a school teacher in London. And uh, this was some years ago, we had a class rabbit. It was a long time ago, as I said, but to name the rabbit, we decided that any child could bring 10p in and we'd put this money towards feeding the rabbit and they could put the name that they wanted the rabbit to be called. 
Well, to be honest, I had some very creative boys in the class and some of them would bring in a pound and write the same name 10 times. In fact, most of the boys in the class wrote the same name down. So surprise, surprise, the name of our class rabbit was Lunch. Now, some of the girls found this a little bit offensive, to be totally honest. But I guess the reality is that we often expect the animal to be sacrificed. Jesus says the shepherd to be sacrificed. This seems totally round the wrong way. I mean, even in those days, if the shepherd was to die, the sheep would face disaster. But Jesus says, I'm going to die for you so that you can face life. You see, we face danger. We face the danger of sin, of death and of judgment. And Jesus says, I'm your substitute. I will die on your behalf. This is not some nice statement. Jesus said, doesn't he, in John 13, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. We know that Jesus went to the cross. That's how we know what love is, because he was prepared to sacrifice for us. John Piper, in one of his sermons on this, describes Jesus as saying, my abandoned life for your abundant life. Jesus divided the people by what he said and by what he did. I'm sure that's probably still true today. We haven't got time to necessarily look at it now, but in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. We know even in 1 Peter that when he returns, he will be described as the chief shepherd. I want to ask, which voice are you following? Who are you listening to? You see, the Bible describes God as this shepherd. He cares for you. Any of you that have been around the Bible, read any bits of it, will probably know one of the most famous passages is Psalm 23. And that describes God as a good shepherd. In fact, I thought we'd end my talk this morning by saying Psalm 23 together. So again, the words are going to come up on your screen right now. And this is, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's all say this out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful father we come before.